0: Hello, welcome to the HR Champions podcast. My name is Phil Scott, and I bring to you exceptional leaders from the HR industry. In this podcast, we'll be discussing their careers to date, their passion for HR, and the challenges they have faced along the way. I hope you enjoy listening. Today, I'm delighted to introduce Sarah Hamilton-Gill, Managing Director of Globus HR Consulting, Sarah specializes in helping people transition from full-time permanent HR careers into HR consulting. Sarah is also the author of book Leaping Into HR Consulting and I'm delighted to have Sarah on the show today to hear about her career and hear all about what she does as a transition coach. So Sarah, my introduction probably gives it no justice whatsoever. So I'm going to pass over to you if you'd like to give the listeners a quick overview of who you are.
1: Thank you, Phil, and thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. Yes, uh, my HR career has been very long, and I won't say how long, but it uh, certainly started, well, a long time ago in terms of uh, in-house HR roles, and they didn't even call them these things in those days. I was in an HR business partner's role. They didn't call it that then. And yeah, I was in the retail sector. I loved being in the retail sector. And then lastly, moved into my own business as an independent consultant in my late 20s, actually. So it was quite a while ago.
0: And what is it you like about working within human resources?
1: I love the variety, actually. I love the variety. I love the challenges that you get. Also, with most HR roles, you're really at the centre of what's happening in a business or an organisation. And you can really influence what's taking place. You can have the ability to make a difference with people, people and teams and the organisation. So it's a great role to have.
0: Give me a little bit more then on your career, how you first got into HR, how it's developed and then how you've got into consultancy.
1: It certainly wasn't a career route I had at school. My parents, also my my father rather than my mother, had got this very clear plan that I was going to take over the family business, which was retail pharmacy. So I'd got a place at Aston University to do pharmacy. It was all absolutely going swimmingly well until I didn't get the grades for university to do pharmacy. So a bit of a shock horror moment. So plan B kicked in and having spent a lot of time with my father growing up in his business, I thought business studies was a really good option. And again, still at this point, no plans to go into HR. I didn't even know what HR was at this point in time. And it wasn't called HR, it's called personnel. So that shows you how long ago it was. So plan C came along when I finished my degree in business studies. It was a case of well, what do I do now? And I think what interested me as part of my degree was that module on HR and being a very people-centric person, I thought that was the perfect career route for me. So I stayed on for another year at university and did a a postgrad in HR and that's how I started my career in HR. So it was never planned, it was something I fell into really.
0: Back in the day there weren't that many degrees or postgrad things for, for HR, were there?
1: no it was really very very difficult to get on to the course it was a very small group it was one of the few courses at university that was a full-time course you couldn't get away with doing a part-time 10 hours of lectures it was literally a full-time course did it for for 12 months got my diploma and then i thought what do i do now and i'd always loved the retail side because of the, the family business and thought that was the route i wanted to go into So did the usual applying for graduate roles in the retail sector and ended up, don't laugh, ended up in a department store called Owen Owen, which doesn't exist anymore. But for anybody that's ever watched Are You Being Served and Grace Brothers, it was truly exactly like that. It was probably one of the most comical places I could have ever worked. But that was my first taste of HR in a department store. I think there's something on
0: Netflix, Superstore or something like that, it's called.
1: Yeah. And, and I think it gave me a taste also for in the role of HR within a department store, you're part of the senior management team. You get involved in all aspects of running the store. It's not just HR. It's the broader aspects of general management. And again, that really interested me and appealed to me.
0: So how long were you in HR as a full-time career before you made the move into consulting?
1: About six years, actually. So I, I moved um, from Owen and I went to Sainsbury's, and then I went to Dorothy Perkins. So it, it was purely retail through and through. And then it was somebody that had come in to do a consulting project with Foster Menswear, which is where my last in-house role was. They'd come in to do some change programme and just happened to be somebody I went to school with. And he said, you'd be perfect for consulting. I'm setting up a consulting business. Do you want to become an associate? I was extremely naive. I said, of course. (laughs) Not really thinking what that involved or the fact it was going to be going from employed role to self-employed with no income. I mean, that hadn't crossed my mind too much when I made that decision.
0: How long were you in the consultancy bit before you then started on the coaching side of things?
1: About 25 years, actually. So 25 wow. years as a consultant, had three businesses, one that was over a million pound turnover and then two six figure businesses. I won't go into the history of why I've had three, but for some severe learning curves on uh, running a business. And about two and a half years ago, I decided I wanted to share that knowledge with other people that were keen to get into consulting.
0: Just for those that maybe not really sure what consulting is, define sort of HR consulting as as, as we mean it.
1: I suppose in its simplest form, it's really providing a range of HR services to many clients. I think there's two different types of HR consulting. I think there's the consulting where you offer generalist operational HR to smaller businesses. And it's almost like having your own HR department, but not in-house. I think that's one style of HR consulting. And I think the other style, which I spent a lot of time doing, is where you get a very specific, quite strategic project to get involved in that's outsourced to you and it's got a very discreet beginning and end and perhaps they haven't got the expertise in-house so i think there's different different types of consulting
0: there's almost interim professional interim hr and then there's the portfolio type part-time hr for lots of different businesses
1: and there's All different kinds of blends. I mean, a lot of people move from the corporate world, they go into interim and then they think, well, actually, I'd rather have my own business. So they kind of flex between the different versions of it, depending on what's happening in their personal life as well is important.
0: And talk to me about your role then as a transitioning coach.
1: Well, I offer a range of programmes to help people move from the corporate world into consulting. A whole range of budgets, really, because some people are just thinking about it. Others have made that leap, but it just hasn't quite happened yet. All the way through to consulting with businesses that have been up and running for over 12 months that just want some advice and, and mentoring as to growing it to the next stage. So a variety of different things from online programmes. Obviously, got the book and boot camps we run as well
0: so the boot camps are they group as a group
1: yeah so the boot camps are a 12-week group coaching session and cover everything from setting up your business how to find clients which a lot of people that's their fear factor is the thought of having to go out there and sell themselves or get clients is is really a barrier for a lot of people we cover all of those aspects, how to market yourself, what the niche is and give them the support, moral support as well. Because it's not just about the skills, it's about the mindset and the motivation to do it when maybe you get knockbacks and maybe you don't get the clients when you think you're going to get them.
0: What's the typical uh, profile of a person that would want to do consultancy and what would their motivations be for doing that?
1: It's a really interesting question, this, Phil, because... I have niched most of my coaching services to to women, typically, because the HR field, as you know, is predominantly women. The key audience for these programmes is anybody that's kind of mid-30s to late 50s, 60s, is typically a woman, probably a parent. And they're really looking for a couple of things. They're looking for flexibility. And a lot of women have been very lucky to, well, not very lucky, actually, they've been doing lots of homeschooling and everything else, but they've had a kind of a taste of what working from home might be like. And also, they want to do work that's meaningful. And I think sometimes when they're in a corporate role, they lose a sense of that happening in their role. So yeah, it is predominantly women, but obviously, I do have men on my programmes as well.
0: What are the misconceptions then about HR consultancy? So what's, what, what do people assume it is? And what's then the reality?
1: Well, it's really interesting because I saw on the news the other day an interview talking to a person that had had real difficulties through COVID and their business. She made reference to it's okay for all of these consultants sitting at home making lots of money and, and profiting from the pandemic. And I think there is a misconception that if you go into consulting, not just HR consulting, but any consulting, that you're a very rich person. You're making a lot of money. It's money for doing nothing. And I think the other misconception is it's easy to just fall into being a consultant. And I think if you ask anybody that I've helped last year, they certainly wouldn't say it's an easy transition to go from the corporate world into consulting. So I think those are two misconceptions in terms of what's out there in the wider public.
0: What advice would you have to someone who's thinking about moving maybe from corporate world from a full time job a regular salary into consulting?
1: Well, I'd definitely say do it, but you've got to be passionate and you've got to be driven and want to do it. It's not something you can just do as a a bit of a hobby or some people think it's a lifestyle that you can just fall into and it will just roll in. It doesn't happen like that. You have to put a lot of effort into it to start your business. And I think the other thing I would say is try and plan it as best you can. In my situation, I had one month before I had one month's notice and then I left and that was it. I hadn't done anything in the background to prepare my business ready for setting up. I say to a lot of people I coach is do as much as you can in the background to get your business ready, to start looking at some of the marketing aspects of it before you make that transition. Because it's really important if you haven't got any other income source is to make sure that you can do that in a financially secure way.
0: In terms of someone who might need that income you, you mentioned, what would you yeah. say is the typical time frame of expectation for getting up and running and getting either to, to break even point or getting past getting a full diary or yeah. something like that? Golden it's, question.
1: It is a golden question because it's different for every person. But I think realistically, you need to have a security blanket of three to six months before you'll start generating and you know what you can generate income very quickly it just depends on what's happening but three to six months will give you this breathing space to be able to set your business up without the pressures of coming across as desperate or you're, you're talking to a client and you know that the only thing you really need is for them to sign the piece of work off because you're desperate for it and then of course people make the wrong choices about the clients that they're working with because they have to work with them not because they're the right clients so if you have got a safety net, that's perfect. But it is definitely possible to do it without the safety net. It's just you've got to work a lot harder for it.
0: Talk to me about the book then. I can see it's uh, just sat on the shelf behind you. Talk to me about that. What was the motivation about writing the book and
1: what oh, it was it's, all about? So that's, that's a, a close up. It's a bit closer. So, yeah, the motivation behind it was just being able to share my knowledge of this transition with a wider audience, really. Writing a book was really never on my agenda. I don't like writing. I'm not good at English. It was a really hard task to write a book. And I'm sure lots of other people might find it very easy, but I certainly didn't. When I really decided I wanted to get it out to the marketplace was last March, March 2020. It then took me six months to turn it around from deciding to doing it and having it published in November. But it was many long days writing and rewriting.
0: How much support did you get? Because I'm Um, guessing there's different levels of support. You see all the celebs. I'm sure all they do is talking to a dictaphone and the next minute they've got a book. But uh, from your experience...
1: Well, do you know what? I tried every shortcut there was. I did try dictaphone. It doesn't really work. It makes it far worse because you then got to unpick all the ums and the ahs and and the various other words that you don't want to have in there. So that was crossed off the list at a fairly early stage. I think... For me, the turning point was when I was recommended a book mentor. I worked with Karen Williams, who's the book mentor that I worked with. And she's very, very experienced. And she took my structure, took one look at it and said, I think, I think we need to rejig this. The first thing I did was to really revisit the whole structure of the book and how it was going to flow. And unfortunately, they don't write it for you. <laughs> so They just give you the structure and then you have to get on and do it so i had karen as a mentor i had a lovely editor who took me back to school days really you can imagine the red pen coming out and so that was just a brutal experience but she did a fantastic job because nobody's picked up any errors in the book at all and that that went on for a couple of weeks and then i had a really good designer i had a vision that i wanted the book to be in color uh, which again was an expense, but you can see from here, it's got lots of colours it got all my brands and things in there. And she did a great job at designing it for me. So it was a team effort, but yeah, it's a lot of time and effort to write a book.
0: What's it cover then? So for somebody who's thinking, oh, I might buy that, what are they going to read in the book?
1: Well, there's four parts to it. And the first part talks a little bit about my my story, my journey in 27 years in consulting. It's the highlights of what I've learned some funny stories in there things hopefully that people won't repeat themselves the second part really talks about the model I've created which is the corporate to consulting model that takes them through the various steps that they need to go through to set their own business up and then there's a section on well how can you prepare to leave the corporate world and then the final section talks about living your dream and what's beyond why are you doing it in the first place and some success stories from people that have already gone through it and it's very practical. There's lots of exercises in there. There's downloadable worksheets and workbooks and things as well.
0: I was asking more from a self-interest point of view. I've toyed with the idea of writing a book about setting up your own recruitment business. So very, very similar. You should do.
1: You um, should do.
0: Yeah. I'll, Definitely. I uh, need to clear a bit of, bit of space for that one. Oh. Anyway, back to you. So I'm going to ask you some questions about you as an individual. Give me three people who've been most influential to you.
1: This was such a really... Interesting thought. Three people. My dad was definitely one of them. He really inspired me in terms of being an entrepreneur. I, I picked up that DNA from him really, really strongly. So a great influence. Also, a client of mine, the person there that headed up the function, the training function actually, and the health and safety, a guy called Dave Hunt, and he's in the book as well. He was very inspirational. When I had a big chunk of my working career as a single parent as well. And he helped me on two levels, really, he I was, did a very big project for the company he was in. And he was very good at giving me constructive feedback about what I was doing. He always encouraged me he was almost like a father figure, really. really encouraged me when i got some ideas about things really made them come to fruition so i'm very grateful to him and i've kept in touch with him and he's now in his 70s so very influential and then then i was trying to think of a third and there's so many that come into the third place that i'd really say members of my family i've got people that i work with now that are very inspirational but i couldn't think of a, a third one perhaps that came out of the woodwork really
0: As an individual, what personal development do you do and how do you go about it?
1: Well, I think I'm a little bit addicted to personal development. And I think this is one of the things as a consultant, you've got the opportunity to be continually learning. So at the moment, I'm part of a couple of peer groups. So I'm always learning from them about what they're doing in their businesses. I'm on a couple of programmes as well. One's a personal programme, which is about health and fitness. And uh, there's another one about being authentic with your marketing. So I'm always learning new things, which, again, I kind of take the best from those and I distill them and and share them with my wider audience as well.
0: Have you made any mistakes? And if so, what advice would you have to others so they don't make the same mistakes?
1: Crikey, I've made loads. I've made loads. And I have to say, the key with making mistakes is to learn from them. I don't think I've made repeated mistakes of the same issue. But I think there's a couple of things I would really say, and this is particularly in anybody that's in consulting, two things really is, one is to be really clear about looking after your own health and having a good work-life balance, because if you're not well, you haven't got a business. And that, I think that resonates a lot with people that have gone through this pandemic where they've had to work a, a large number of hours just to keep afloat. So having that balance between the two is really important. And also having lots of different income streams is important. So again, consultants tend to charge for their time. So there's a finite number of hours you've got in a week. So you're never going to grow your business beyond that if that's the way you approach your business. So you've got to have other income streams that take the pressure off you as an individual, whether it's an online training course, a product, whatever it is, it's, it's about having that blend that's really important. And I didn't learn that to start with. I learned that probably only about 10 years ago and a book as well oh and a book (laughs) yes but karen did tell me you'll never make millions from writing a book unless of course you're jk rowling
0: i'm not on commission for this book by the way but if anyone does want to get a copy how can they do that
1: there are a couple of ways really it's on amazon so you've got the the paperback black and white and the color kindle on amazon and then if you want the signed special edition which is color you can always contact me directly and i think you've Possibly got some links for that that you can share. I'll put put
0: them with the podcast. That brings us to the to the end. Can people reach out to you on LinkedIn as well? You you on LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Reach out on LinkedIn. Connect with me. It's always a good place to connect and share and keep in touch. Yeah, more than happy for you to connect. I don't have any restrictions on who can connect to me, so that's fine.
0: Well, a a massive thank you to uh, Sarah Hamilton Gill for taking part in this episode of the uh, HR Champions podcast. Hope everyone has enjoyed that and stay tuned for more episodes. Thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you by HR Recruit, part of Exec Recruit Group. We are a leading independent recruitment company and we specialise in recruiting leadership roles for ambitious businesses. Exec Recruit Group consists of a number of specialist brands, and these brands cover the fields of human resources, finance directors, accountancy, marketing, technology and executive and c-suite positions. If you are looking to add to your leadership team or you are looking for a position for yourself then we would love to hear from you. For more information please visit execrecruitgroup.com